0: Welcome to the Minor League Sports Town Podcast with your host, Tony. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Minor League Sports Town Podcast. I am your host, Tony, and welcome to episode five, uh, titling this podcast, The Times They Are A-Changin', because there have been uh, uh, quite a few changes with Uh, at least um, three out of four of the major uh, sports teams uh, in the DC area Uh, so just wanted to you know it's been a little while I think January 28th is when we released episode four so has been over a month about a month and a half or so Uh, a little bit late on this one almost wish I had (laughs) done some uh, some podcasts earlier because we have so much to cram into this one Uh, but hey uh, we're here now, so let's, uh, let's kind of get right into it. Uh, for, first, we're going to talk about the Nationals, uh, and, and of course, the MLB lockout is ongoing, so there's not a whole lot to describe about the players that will be part of the team for the 2022 season. Uh, however, there was one major change uh, within the organization, and that was Ryan Zimmerman officially announcing his retirement uh, from Major League Baseball. Uh, so of course Ryan Zimmerman uh, has a few different nicknames. Uh, you know, one of those nicknames being Mr. Walkoff for uh, however many walkoff home runs he ended up hitting in his career, especially early in his career. Uh, but probably the most uh, fitting nickname for Ryan Zimmerman is Mr. National, uh, and he he does kind of embody what the Washington Nationals are um you know not only was he the first draft pick uh after the nationals moved to Washington from Montreal uh but he also just had a very long and storied career uh with the Washington Nationals um you know played a long time here uh long time uh with with the nationals uh, won a world series here has just kind of been a constant uh, throughout even You know, even though he's dealt with his share of injuries, uh, you know, had to make the move from third base to first base because of his shoulder injury. Uh, Still, he's just kind of a constant presence. And uh, there's, you know, been a lot of people thanking him. It's very emotional when he officially made the announcement, though. I think most of us saw it coming, uh, especially with the send off that he was able to have at the end of the 2021 season at home uh, in the final game of the uh, regular season. Had a really fitting uh, send off from the fans, from the from the team, um, you know, f- for somebody, uh, you know, of of his of his his importance within this organization, within the city. Uh, so, you know, I, I won't uh, you know I won't sit here um, and say that it's always been great times with Ryan Zimmerman I've always respected him but of course he dealt with a lot of injury um, throughout his career which was frustrating didn't know you know how long his career was honestly going to last just because his his body seemed to really break down on him there are other issues with you know spring training and him kind of deciding not to play in games and just work on the the backfields with minor leaguers and then getting off to slow starts after he said he knew how much work he needed to put in to be ready and that not translating but to to his credit, he knew, you know, like, oh, this is gonna I'm gonna get backlash for this, um, you know, after he started off slow. So it hasn't always been um the honeymoon phase with Ryan Zimmerman, but he is absolutely a staple of this franchise. Number eleven should be retired after You know, the lockout ends and we get baseball back. The number 11 should be absolutely retired for the Washington Nationals. Um, You know, if he gets a statue out in front of Nats Park, I'm all for it. Uh, You know, he deserves it. Uh, So, you know, congrats to him. Uh, He's still going to be working with the organization in some capacity. Uh, he gets a salary based, uh, it was built into his contract that he's still going to be kind of working with the organization. So it's not the last that we'll see of Ryan Zimmerman. He still is going to be living in the area, of course. Um, so he'll he'll have plenty to do with this, but um, definitely kind of, a, I guess, probably the final final act of really turning over this franchise is Ryan Zimmerman's retirement. We already know the sell-off that happened uh, because the Nats need to do a rebuild or uh, retool or reboot, whatever you want to call it. Um, but they definitely needed to get younger traded uh, some key pieces during the trade deadline last season. Uh, and this is just kind of, I think another step in that direction to say, okay, this is the, the new era of nationals baseball. Um, so it, you know, but we, we definitely don't want to forget where we came from and, uh, Ryan Zimmerman will always be a huge part of this franchise. So best of luck to him, uh, in his retirement going forward. So that's, uh, that's pretty much it for the nationals. Big news for Ryan Zimmerman retiring. Uh, but, Uh, you know, that until the lockout ends, that's all we got. Basically got minor league, uh, camp that started and they're kind of spring training. Uh, but we'll have to see whenever a deal eventually gets done with MLB and we get Nationals baseball back. So moving on, uh, last time we talked, uh, going over to the football franchise in Washington. And I say that, uh, for for a specific reasons, because last time we had a um, podcast episode, uh, the name had not officially been announced yet. So uh, they were still the Washington football team at that time. It was early February, Groundhog's Day, uh, where they made the announcement that the, the football team, Washington football team, was officially going with the Washington Commanders um as their as their name going forward um you know i've had we've had over a month now of kind of just get settled with the commanders as the name uh it definitely was not uh the fans first choice i think red wolves was probably the fans first choice they said they couldn't do it because of copyright things whatever who knows uh but they did they did go commanders it's okay name it's kind of blah to me um it it could it be worse? Yeah uh, is it great no um, the one thing that I do wish they they had made and hopefully they will eventually is their logo is pretty much that that W that almost looks a little bit like three-dimensional sort of the W looks cool and, and that's that's great. Um, however, they have that, and then they have the crest, which is just, you know, the commanders, and it has the years they won the Super Bowl. And the crest looks nice, but that's it. Uh, they don't have any other kind of logo, like a commander. I don't know. You have, like, a uh, somebody that looks like a commander in the Revolutionary War or some kind of commander, like, of... Uh, of a navy vessel like olden times or something. I know you don't want to be the bu- buccaneers, but uh, you know, some kind of commander, something with the uh, you know, the armed forces of a commander, just some kind of other logo besides just the W and besides just the crest. And the W seems to be what's prevalent on like the helmets and stuff, and it just looks very much like. The W, like how we were just Washington football team and everything was just a W. They just kind of went along with those lines again. Uh, so, you know, it, it doesn't look bad. The uniforms are growing on me a little bit. I do think that the, the burgundy ones, uh, all burgundy, look pretty sick. Um, I do like having a black alt, alt jersey, uh, something that's a little bit new. You're not just keeping burgundy and gold um, for everything, but you are kind of giving a little bit more of its own flair, like a, a future. Like, okay, this is something that's unique to the commanders, not just about the Redskins or the football team, but actually commanders. Hey, we have this black alternative uniform, uh, alternative jersey that we didn't have with you know the other iterations or other names of the franchise. Uh, so you know, it's okay. Um, it- Hey, I, either way, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of the name, but I'm glad that they actually have a name. I was tired of the jokes about the no-name team and blah blah blah, and I'm glad they didn't just stay with Washington Football Team. They needed to actually have a name. Um, you know, I think there's a lot to still figure out with this team. Uh, you know, what's their, what's their. Their uh, like nickname or shortened name, uh, you know. A lot of people joked around about commies. <laughs> I don't. I don't mind it. I think some people would get upset about it. So therefore, I kind of want to like it a little bit more, uh, because just to get people irritated with the nickname of commies. Um, but you know, could it be commies? Some people said durs. I'm not a fan of durs whatsoever. That I okay, one syllable. I get you're trying to get it down to a one si- syllable. Do comms if you want to do instead of dirt. I don't know. I would rather just be called Manders. I think Manders is a solid nickname. It's two syllables. Uh, and it's fun to say. Like, if you talk about, like, Manders definitely sounds like, a, like you know, a fruit of some sort. Or vegetable. I know, like, you know... Uh, Taters, like, you know, for that, or Maters, uh, but yeah, Manders, um, you know, just kind of sounds fun, so maybe they'll go, uh, with that, they talked about making a theme song, or fight song, or whatever, eventually, we'll have to see how this all comes, uh, comes into play, uh, but that's, that's what they're called, so they are the, uh, the, the, the the Washington Commanders or Washington Manders. You can go ahead and join me with saying that. Let's make that happen. Uh, all my my followers uh, of this podcast. Let's let's all just jump on that Mander bandwagon uh, and and get that done. So, um, other than that, for the Commanders, you know, talked about the name change, uh, the logo, the uniforms. Uh, there are some reports of you know possible uh, where the new stadium is going to be. Uh, of course, I think every fan wants it to just be on the RFK grounds. Uh, I, I, you know, I am a firm supporter of the Washington Commanders should play in Washington D.C. and RFK is not being used for anything. And you know, you you can you can build that again. It's right there, metro accessible from Stadium Armory Metro. Uh, you can kind of build up the area surrounding it again as well, kind of like the. Uh, what they did with Nationals Park and Audi Field and how they kind of just taken Navy Yard and redeveloped it. Uh, you could kind of do that for the same area around the armory and stadium uh, down there. So that would be ideal. That's what I would want. But uh, if it's something that the fans want, uh, then this team is probably not going to do it. Uh, and I hate to be a cynic um, and I hate to to have that kind of attitude about things, but uh, this, this team, as much as they preach that they want to listen to the fans and give fan input, I just don't know how much they do it. Uh, so they're talking about three locations, um, possible locations in Virginia, um, to you know build the new stadium. Now, I do live in Maryland, uh, but I, I don't even really care if they built it in Virginia. Um, that's not my issue. Cause I, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to be unfair and be like, well, I'm fine with it where it is. First of all, I hate FedEx field. It's terrible. They need to move out of there immediately. And I say that as somebody that lives in the same same state that the stadium is actually in, in Maryland. Um, but it, they, they need to move out of that. And I don't want to say like, Oh, it can't be in Virginia because I live in Maryland. I don't feel like going to Virginia, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to be that guy. Right. Um, however, I do think that it's important to keep its location pretty close to D.C., and though Landover, Maryland is not an ideal spot, and FedEx Field is not an ideal location, especially because is it metro accessible? Yeah, but you still have to walk a mile from the metro stop to, uh, to the stadium itself, and uh, I, I just think that that's kind of... Uh, it's not ideal. I would like something to be a little bit more metro accessible uh, for public transportation or or kind of figure out something a little bit more. So so what I'm thinking is, you know, if you're going to build in Virginia, the ideal location for me would be like Fairfax County. Keep it right outside of D.C., bunch of metro stops, kind of put it in there. However, the issue is there's no room in Fairfax County to get that done, right? So now you're talking about having to go further away from D.C., now, one location they did talk about was Sterling, Virginia, which is not really all that close to D.C. However, they do have the uh, Silver Line expansion that they're building that's going to go out to Dulles. And they're, they're talking about the stadium kind of being pretty close to Dulles International Airport over there. Uh, so if they could build it in a location that would be metro accessible still by the Silver Line that's running out towards Dulles, I think that would be an okay compromise. Uh, you know, as a fan, I would like to be able to go to the new stadium, but I don't want to necessarily have to drive all the way out to uh, to DC and I, or to Virginia uh, from where I live to go there. And it's not even just about the driving, but you know, people like to go and enjoy themselves at the games, have a few libations. You don't want people hopping in their car and leaving right after that. So having a mode of transportation, public transportation, like um, like the Silver Line and Metro accessible for for people I think would be ideal. Um, So that location is great. The other locations that they're throwing out there are like Dumfries and and places down off of I-95. I hate that idea. That's nowhere close to D.C. There's no kind of public transportation from D.C. to get down there. I-95 is terrible heading out towards Quantico and everything like that. Um, it is, is just awful. Um, I, I hate the traffic. It, it would be a nightmare. And I honestly don't know if I would go to a game, if they built it out in like Dumfries and whatever other area down there, That same kind of area that they're talking about. Um, keep it away from that, please. Um, Sorry to any listeners that live in Prince William County. I do not want a stadium down there. I'm okay if you put it in Loudoun County to a degree. Uh, It's still not ideal, but I feel like Loudoun would work a little bit better than moving it down to to Dumfries area down off of uh, I-95. Might as well just rename them to the Virginia Commanders at that point because you are so far away from D.C. and not really all that accessible unless people go out of their way to get down there, so... Um, those are just my thoughts. Maybe I'm skewed, or like kind of have a skewed view, uh, being a Marylander, um, you know, talking about the stadium going into Virginia. Um, but those are my choices. Build it on RFK grounds. That's what everybody wants. If you can't get that done, if you want to have, uh, build it in more of a an open space so you can really throw a lot of money at it and make it something that rivals Jerry's playhouse down in Dallas. Um, then look at that, um, that Dulles um, area there. It also makes a lot of sense for fans that do want to travel The fr- uh, fans of other um that live elsewhere outside of the D.M.V. area that want to come to games, they could fly right into Dulles, get a little shuttle or something to take them right over to uh, to the stadium. Um, build like you know hotels and areas around that area as well. It would be perfect. Um, so, yeah, those are my two choices. Hopefully, they uh, they they make the smart decision. Please don't build it down in Dumfries. Absolutely not going down there to watch a game. Um, I'd I'd almost rather, and I'm not saying that I'll become a Ravens fan officially or anything like that, but I'd probably go to M and T bank stadium over whatever this new commander stadium would be if it's located all the way down off an I-95 in Virginia. So anyway, that's my rant. Excuse me. Sorry for for uh, venting a little bit on there, but those are my thoughts on uh, on the location of it. And then the breaking news today. So we're actually doing this podcast and have something that didn't happen a month ago that we're now finally getting around to talk about. But something that happened today is that the the Washington Commanders have have found their quarterback for the upcoming season, and unfortunately, the quarterback is Carson Wentz. Now again, this happened today. Happened a number of hours ago. It's still fresh. I'm still processing. I'm still emotional about it. But the day after, you find out that you lost the opportunity to trade for um, to Russell Wilson because he was instead traded to the Denver Broncos, and the reports came out that the the um, the Washington Commanders actually made a better offer uh to get Russell Wilson from Seattle. Uh however, they wanted to keep him out of the same conference. Uh so they did take a little bit of a lesser deal as far as like draft pick compensation went, um, to 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 send uh Russell Wilson to Denver instead. So that was kind of the dream. That's what I think most fans wanted. They wanted a big splash at the position. Uh you know, we kinda tried Heineke last year, didn't work out. Um, you know, he's okay, but he's definitely not what you need to get you to the next level. So if people are looking at, you know, the draft class isn't particularly strong in the quarterback position for this year. And the commanders are picking kind of a mid round pick, uh, not like, you know, not top 10. So they don't know what quarterbacks could even potentially be there. If there's only like one or two that you really like. Um, you might not even have the opportunity if there's like one you hone in on um, that, that, that quarterback could potentially be off the board by the time you get your pick, unless you, you know, move up. Uh, so who knows drafting a QB, if that was going to be a really great option. So you're looking at like uh, in the free agency market for quarterbacks, those are going to be free agency. We're just not very appealing whatsoever. It's like Marcus Mariota, um, you know, guys like that, that are on the market that just don't instill a whole lot of confidence. Uh, so, what what you're, what you're then looking at is the trade market, like what potential um, quarterbacks could be available. And the two main ones that you're looking at uh, that would elevate that position for the, uh, the commanders would be Russell Wilson of Seattle or Deshaun Watson of Houston. Now, Deshaun Watson is still in legal trouble, still dealing with a lot of cases that have been kind of brought against him, civil suits, uh, is not being charged officially with anything yet, but there's still a lot of controversy surrounding him for some of the things that uh, the accusations that he's dealing with from his time in Houston. Um, so that's kind of a murky situation. Plus, you know, let's face it, the Washington commanders have their own issues with um, allegations of uh you know sexual assaults and other things like that talking about of course um the investigation that's ongoing into dan snyder um and and, uh, the other um investigations surrounding just the the washington franchise as a whole and you know what was kind of going on here for years uh so Bringing somebody, trading for somebody that's already dealing with their own accusations in that same kind of realm. While this this franchise has been plagued with that for the, the last you know few years, especially since it's been brought to light. Um, probably not a great, great move. So I kind of understand that. So Deshaun Watson was probably always a long shot of him being traded or that being a, a, a real like target, like the guy that the uh, commanders were going to be going after. Uh, so, you know, Russell Wilson, of course, to be your first choice, you tried it does. I will give them credit does look like they really actually put together a solid trade package for him and they just chose not to trade him within the conference and that's okay. Um, you know, I mean, it's, it, it sucks, right? Like you'd like to have it, but at least you did what you, you could in your power to try to make it happen. And it just didn't work out. Uh, so I, I give them a little bit of a pass on that. Uh, but you have, you know, the, then, okay, maybe you're not trying for Deshaun Watson or whatever, but instead they go to Indianapolis and trade two thirds, one of which could become a second and then swaps second round picks for this year. Uh, which means that you moved back in the second round by five spots to to trade for Carson Wentz, who was due a five million uh, contract bonus, I think, like in a week or something like that. Um, and who knows if he would have even been. Uh, been held on been paid that by Indianapolis they might have cut him then and there and then you're not on the you're not on the hook for his like 28 million dollars or whatever he's owed this year um it's it's is not a great look now of course the the only good thing is that okay then you don't have to outbid anybody for Carson Wentz you don't have to go multiple years so even though he has three years left on his contract he's only guaranteed for this year so you can cut him if he's not working out or if you like you drafted a quarterback in the draft this year and had him develop after for a year and then you know next year you want to cut Wentz uh, and start your, your second-year quarterback at that, at that uh, time, then you have the ability to do that uh, without having to pay anything or have any kind of cost associated with cutting once after a year. It does eat a lot of calorie, uh, salary cap space, though, uh, for this year. So, um, so yeah, it, does it inspire kind of confidence? Am I happy about having Carson Wentz as the quarterback for this team going into next year? No. Uh, could he be serviceable? Sure. He could be, but it's not like a clear upgrade over, you know, just rolling with Tyler Heineke again. You know, you don't look at Carson Wentz and say he's head and shoulders above Tyler Heineke. Is he better? Probably. He definitely has more experience, uh, might be a little bit more consistent, but still, it's it's kind of apples to apples here. I don't feel like there is a huge upgrade, uh, and in, in a you know a, for, a, for a fan base, a str- like just hungry, starving for a, a big move that kind of shows like, hey, we're in it to win it you know, here's all our chips on the table. We're going to get a quarterback to really elevate it with this receiving core that we have that's really good with this defense that's supposed to be really good with a pretty good offensive line. Like, you have all of these, um, you know, different positions uh, kind of already set within your franchise, and you just need that quarterback to really take you over the top and to not have that, to to, to, to not to not be able to get to get that and have to settle for a player of Carson Wentz's level is frankly just disappointing. So I think most of the fan base is really let down today. We'll see how we feel again is breaking news. I'm a little bit emotional about it. Haven't taken the time to really sit back and, you know, and judge it from a more, uh, uh, you know, unbiased kind of view. Um, so as as a fan of this team though, it just seems like another letdown, unfortunately. Uh, so we'll we'll have to see how Carson Wentz does, but he's here now. Um, deal's done. I wish him the best of luck. I hope he does well for this for this team. Uh, maybe he can kind of turn it around. But uh, you know, Indianapolis gave up on him after one year, uh, and it's just yeah. I, I think it's he's a journeyman at this point, and. Uh, probably not going to bring you a whole lot of value to the position. So anyway, so that's it for the Washington commander news uh, that we have. Of course, finish the season seven and 10 need to try to improve on that over next year. I do think it's an important year for Ron Rivera, um, you know, to, to have a little bit of, uh, to solidify that position a little bit, have good quarterback play and, you know, try to make a run at the playoffs because I think that he's not on the hot seat yet. But I think that if he doesn't start to show some results as from, for his record and, and actually making like the playoffs and things like that, um, I think his seat could get rather warm rather quickly um, and might be looking for a new head coach if he can't start to get some results from this team. So we'll see what they do. Uh, so next on, uh, on the list to talk about is the Washington Wizards. And the Washington Wizards, uh, they had the trade deadline that occurred and they did make um, some trades. Now, before we kind of get into the trades that they made uh, you know, one thing that it it was coming to the, the trade deadline this team started 10 and 3 Have been pretty awful since they're uh, currently sitting at 29 to 34 they're five games under 500 out of the play-in currently but still only like a game or two back so they could they could get to it if they need to uh, if they make a push if they start playing well if they they can try to get to it uh, but anyway leading up to it though this team was not performing well changes definitely to be ma- needed to be made But, um, there was a lot of question of like, well, Bradley Beal, do you try to trade him and just really kind of commit to this rebuild to you? Do you keep him and uh, try to give him complimentary pieces and see if he can start winning? What do you do with this? And I was admittedly kind of on the train of like, look, Bradley Beal has been here for 10 years, haven't had a whole lot of success. Maybe it's time for a change. However, uh, a lot of things kind of went out of the equation when Bradley Beal ended up hurting his wrist and requiring season-ending surgery. Uh, so Bradley Beal is no longer playing. Therefore, his trade value is zero. Uh, he's not going to get it traded. So then it just becomes, all right, well, what do you do? Do you just kind of trade off some of the assets that you do have? Or do you look for an upgrade for future years or, or what you're doing? Because you're not, you're not really... I mean, you're trying to get for a play-in, but you're not really playing for this year. So just kind of, you know, what do you kind of do in that situation? So they end up trading uh, Aaron Holiday away. I'm not even really sure what the return was for that. I think it might have just been a pick or something like that. Um, They did trade Montrezl Harrell. Uh, down to Charlotte, and they ended up getting Ish Smith back uh, in return for um, for Harold to kind of give a point guard position, which they ended up needing. We didn't know it at the time, but they ended up needing that going forward because the major trade that the Wizards pulled off was um, trading both Spencer Dinwiddie and Davis Bertons to the Dallas Mavericks. In exchange for the unicorn, KP Kristaps Porzingis. Uh, So the, of course, former um, New York Nick, who then played down in uh, Dallas, uh, the for the Dallas Mavericks. they traded him. He was he was injured. He's kind of been injured throughout his career. That's probably the only knock on him, uh, because otherwise he's a seven foot three big man that can shoot threes with ease. Can shoot anywhere. Has range from anywhere. Uh, health is just his biggest issue. So the Wizards end up trading um, for. Uh, poor Zingas, and with the future of, you know, they bring back Bradley Beal, I don't know if it's going to be the Supermax um, extension, I'm kind of hoping it's not, he... Bradley Beal does have a player option for next year. I'm almost hoping that he just picks up that option and comes back and then they figure out if Beal and Porzingis can play together and, and Kuzma and whoever else they kind of add to this team. uh, If they can actually build a contender of some sort, at least like, you know, playoff contender, Um, you know, it, with those pieces, so they ended up trading for Porzingis, um, who was injured, uh, but he did just make his Wizards debut the other night. Scored 25 points, was looked great, um, finally healthy. Wizards ended up beating Indiana in that game, so that was a that was a big move. Um, you know, it Spencer Dinwiddie traded away. He wasn't a great fit here. I was a big fan and supporter of dinwiddie but it's just he didn't I, i'm not going to go into you know all my thoughts about it and and whatever but for for whatever reason he was not a good fit in dc they were able to move his contract um you know with his i think he had a three year contract they were able to move that they were able to move berton's contract uh, which was kind of an albatross for somebody that they paid a lot of money to shoot threes and then could not shoot three-pointers. Uh, so they, they tra- were able to move off his contract. So already you're moving off two contracts that you no longer really want, and in return to get uh, Porzingis from them, even with his injury history, to still get a player of Porzingis's caliber uh, for Two contracts that really the Wizards were just just trying to offload uh, is a huge win. And I give a lot of props to Tommy Shepard for pulling that off because that was great. Um, And then, of course, because you have um, Porzingis in, uh, you no longer have a need for uh, three, you know... Four big men at that time because you, you already had uh Gafford, you already had Bryant, and you already had Harrell there. And then you're adding like a number another Porzingis can play multiple positions, but uh, you know, he wants to be like an, a five. Um, so you could trade one of them away. So that's why they end up trading Harrell, who only had one year left on his contract. Um, you know, they probably tried to trade Thomas Bryant, but nobody wanted Thomas Bryant, so they trade Harrell. Uh, they they get back. Um, you know, like I said, Ish Smith, who then fills the point guard void um, that was then vacated by Spencer Dinwiddie uh, getting traded uh, to Dallas in that Porzingis trade. So they made some moves, got some players around. I love Ish Smith, so I'm actually glad to see him back. Is he like a starter, like point guard starter? Not not really, but he's kind of forced to be with, with this team how it's currently made. And then they ended up also um, getting San Antonio Spurs um, The San Antonio Spurs bought out Thomas Sadaransky's contract, and then that cleared Sadaransky to then sign a contract uh, with the Wizards. So uh, both Ish Smith and Thomas uh, Sadaransky are back um, with the Wizards, which is. Uh, great! Like old times, <laughs> getting our getting our uh, guards back, uh, old guards, old Wizards guards back on the team. So uh, that's how it looks now. We'll have to see how the season unfolds. Is having like Kuzma and, Porz- and up uh, hopefully continued to be healthy, Porzingis enough to carry this team. Uh, with the other death pieces they have um, into uh, play-in position for the playoffs this year, I don't know. I mean, there's still five games under 500, only a couple games back in the uh, in the play-in spot there. Um, so we'll have to see if they're able to get it done. Uh, but I'm kind of curious how next season is going to look. If Porzingis can stay healthy, if Beal comes back and is more effective than he was before he got injured this year, um, we'll have to see kind of how that all fits. Uh, and if that's something that could potentially be, you know, uh, a building block for the Wizards to, to really start to be competitive again. So, um, you know, so far, disappointing season, uh, especially with how much depth they had. But who knows? Maybe this team could end up coming out on top um, next year with the moves that they made at the trade deadline this year. Uh, so that's kind of all we got for the Wizards on there. Uh, but definitely happy to have the Unicorn, uh, unicorn in a D.C. Um, uniform. The uni- <laughs> wow, unicorn uniform. Yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, but have but having him play uh in DC with this team uh is is definitely great to see. Uh, so then finally we come to the uh, Washington Capitals and something uh, last night, they played a game in Calgary and had a couple different milestones that took place. First of all, it was Ovechkin and Backstrom's 1000th game played together, which is awesome. Uh, of course, can't have one without the other and they make great uh, insurance commercials together. We found out this year uh, and the, their dynamic duo, um, you know, have, have, the back east had some history with injuries and things that have kind of kept him out, but uh, they were able to play a 1000th game together, which is great. And then Ovechkin ended up scoring two, almost three, almost had a chance at an empty netter and was just blocked. Uh, but he was able to at least tie um, uh, Yame Yager for third all time uh, in NHL goals scored. Uh, so at, I think the number seven sixty six uh, career goals on there. So Ovechkin is now tied for third. One more goal, of course, will give him sole possession of third place, and that's probably that's where he's going to end the season. He'll end the season in third. He doesn't have unless he, <laughs> he yeah, he'd have to be on a, a otherworldly tear to even get close to, to um, catching Gordy Howe. Uh, but he'll he'll get there. I think he'll probably pass Gordy Howe next season. He uh, uh you know, it continues to be a, at least a forty goal scorer like he is this year, um, or on pace to be. He's at thirty six right now. Uh, I think that um, he'll definitely pass Gordy Howe next next season, and then it's all about trying to catch number one and trying to catch Gresky. Uh, so that's gonna be the hope for him and the the goal for him. But um, they have for the Capitals as a whole, besides just talking about Ovechkin's uh personal records and his history. Uh, making history. Um, <laughs> that that's kind of been the Capitals for a while. It's just kind of been a Ovechkin watch because the Capitals have not looked good. Um, you know, especially going into 2022, like after the calendar flipped to this new year, they've been pretty awful. They've been playing below five five hundred on their record. Um, so they they definitely have some work to do. They have um were able to rattle off two wins in a row, which helps. Uh, they are still in playoff position, but it's even though they have a, I think currently like a 12, 12 point lead uh, in the standings for that last wild card spot and played only one more game, uh, but it's uh, it, it's definitely not guaranteed. They definitely need to keep playing, um, but hopefully they can they can start. Um, Start stringing some wins together, especially because their, their top six is finally healthy. The only real injury they're dealing with right now is that Carl Hagelin apparently like hurt his eye in practice and is now had to get surgery and is out for the year, uh, hoping that, that he's okay. Uh, but they, they finally did get healthy with their top six forwards. Of course, Backstrom came back she came back and now finally Anthony Mantha remember that guy he plays for us <laughs> yeah the guy we got in the Veranda trade um, he he actually came back and um, and it, and uh, has actually scored a goal last night has played a handful of games but uh, his presence just that big body that quick shot getting in front of the net uh, he's definitely made a big difference so I think just having a top six of Ovechkin um, Kuznetsov Wilson, Oshi, Backstrom, Mantha. However, you want to take those six and put them on whichever line you want to put them on. Having those six players, though, I think are is really key. And then just getting production out of guys like Connor Sherry, um, and of course that that fourth line, which is you know a lot of nights the best line that we have with um, Hathaway and, and Dowd. Um, and that's the. I think that's kind of the key, uh, just to maybe string some wins together, and we'll see. the 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 NHL deadline hasn't passed yet. I don't know if they're gonna make try to make an upgrade like a flurry, uh, for goalie. Uh, I'd be a fan of that, but we'll have to see kind of what they end up doing. Um, but they the, hopefully they can kind of get some wins here and and make us all feel a little bit better about the Capitals' performance as a whole uh, because they have been struggling lately. Uh, But the power play, which I opined was terrible last time I made a podcast because it was um but uh, it has been a lot better I think TJ Oshi being back is definitely a catalyst for that performance and of course Mantha coming back I think will even help it more because you get more production out of both units for the power play uh but Oshi has definitely just his ability to take that um that puck in front of the net and uh you know get the puck on net uh score some goals uh is a uh is a really big thing uh, for this for this power play to have success. Uh, so uh, since he's been back, since Oshie's return, there's definitely been an uptick in the performance of the power play. So that's great to see. Blaine Forsyth has not lost his job yet. Um, I've been calling for it for a little while, uh, but he uh, he's remained safe. Uh, thanks to oshi's effort and uh, the overall performance of the power play unit uh, thus far so hopefully they can continue um, to do that uh, to win. Uh, and get other people involved in the power play so it's not just all about Ovi from the office. They'll love to see it, love to see the goals scored. Uh, definitely need to become more well-rounded on the power play, and they have been doing that um, as of late. And, you know, I keep saying, like, hopefully this team can turn it around and do well. I think the person that probably needs that to happen the most is uh, Coach uh, Peter LaViolette. And he, out of, I did a poll um On Twitter, uh, basically asking, like, out of the four major sports head coaches in the D.C. area, so you're talking about, you know, Ron Rivera, Davey Martinez, uh, Wes Unsell Jr., and uh, Peter Laviolette, so the four, you know, for the Wizards, Capitals, um, Commanders, and Nationals, uh, you know, which out of those four, which one is on the hot seat the most? And there was a lot of responses for Ron Rivera, And um, I get that. I think the the order in which they came through was that um, LaViolette received the most votes. Then it was um, then it was uh, Ron Rivera for second. And then for third, you had Wes Edensel Jr. and then Davey Martinez was last. And I, I agree with that. Um, I think that you know David Martinez. Nats are in a rebuild, so nobody expects anything. Doesn't matter if you have a terrible record; you're kind of supposed to at this point. So he gets a he gets to save until the team's supposed to work well together. Weston Hill juniors in his first season. So even though I think, especially after that ten and three start, the expectations got raised higher. Um, he wasn't. He's still in his first year, so it's not like I don't think he's in any danger of getting fired after one year. He's got to get a few more years under his belt before he can really. Fully judge him, but I do think that the season started so well and then went pretty poorly after that, um, that he just, you know, a lot of the, the honeymoon phase uh, for Wes Unsell Jr. quickly faded and people kind of started to think that he's underperformed, even though, hey, he's only five games under 500 for a first year head coach. Uh, with you know a roster that wasn't necessarily supposed to like be the best in the league so uh, I think those were probably unfair um, because of the early performance the kind of unfair expectations and and now it feels like a letdown when really he's probably just doing what he's supposed to would you know he's supposed to have this record probably uh, so I don't think he's in any danger. We already talked about um, Ron Rivera. He he probably gets another year. Needs to get the quarterback situation figured out, and then he can be judged a little bit more appropriately on his performance at the team. But Peter Laviolette has the best roster out of any of these DC teams. These other DC teams, I realize are other sports, but still. And I know he's had to deal with injuries, and you know, COVID was kind of running through this team for a little bit. There's a lot of. Uh, a lot of different factors to come in play, but look, Laviolette's been a, co- a a coach for a long time, uh, and he has won the Stanley Cup. You know, it's not his first rodeo. He should know how to get this team focused and get them performing. And they have underperformed uh, for especially for the second half of the season thus far. Uh, so he really needs to get them turned around, get them on track, uh, because I do think that if if the Capitals either miss the playoffs entirely or if they just have a really poor showing in their first round series and possibly, you know, either get swept or, or lose it pretty badly, I'm not sure Peter LaViolette has a job here in DC after this season. Uh, so he's definitely on the hot seat. Uh, we'll have to see. It really kind of comes down to the performance in the postseason for this team. So we'll have to see how that all shakes out. Wishing him the best. I hope the Capitals, are there are kind of only hope for postseason success right now out of all the D.C. teams that we have. Um, But right now, not instilling a whole lot of confidence. So hopefully they turn it around, can get something going uh, in the playoffs, make a little bit of a run. So we shall see about that. So anyway, that's going to do it for this episode of uh, the Minor League Sports Town Podcast. I appreciate everybody uh, tuning in. Uh, This was a lot of fun. Definitely need to start making these a little bit more... uh, it closer together uh, Because uh, definitely like a month To a month and a half off uh, There's a lot of things that happen And then it's just a lot to kind of cram through Would rather be able to record a podcast With things a little bit more relevant Than talking about something that happened a month ago uh, So we'll work on doing that But again appreciate everybody Um tuning in, uh, and, and, uh, and, you know, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter. Again, I'm at DC sportscast on Twitter. Uh, I, we have the email. If you want my league sports town, uh, at gmail.com, find me on Facebook, uh, you know, connect with the podcast that way. Again, feel free to DM me, leave any kind of comments on any type of post that you see, especially on Twitter. Um, you know, if you want to, have anything brought up in the podcast here, any kind of questions or input you all have, I definitely welcome that. So until next time, take care. Thanks for listening.